0: You're tuned in to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lupiton. This week on the show, my conversation with a restless, tuxedoed Texas piano man who has paired his fleet-fingered, high-humored jazz in an Austin Roadhouse keys playing with machete-sharp lyrical turns of phrase, and backed it up with his smile through the apocalypse crack country rock band to gain a beloved international following, creating a persona that is half early Billy Joel's tender brilliance and half high-hatted southern huckster who might tell you a story to make you cry one minute or steal your watch when you're not looking the next. Robert Ellis. Let's talk about an instrument that doesn't get enough love or attention on our Roots Americana circuit these days, the piano. Yes, for road dogs like us, it's a cumbersome challenge, forcing a million compromises when you're on the road. There's nothing like the raw power of a real piano with the wood and cloth and strings sending your sound blasting to the ceiling. And for this first international across-the-pond episode, I was able to catch up with Robert Ellis after his eclectic set at the Ramblin' Roots Fest in Utrecht, Netherlands, and no, he didn't have his preferred baby grand piano with him, but instead was pounding away on a purring Fender Rhodes keyboard on one side and sweating over the keys of a Nord with standard stride piano tone on the front side, the tails of his creamy snake oil salesman tux flying behind him as he went back and forth, and I'll tell you what, I kind of loved seeing him jump around the stage, instrument to instrument, the glitter under his eyes shining like happy tears, the words of his sneaky love songs like passive-aggressive flying into the crowd like shouts from an accidental street preacher, and that kinetic restlessness, that always-moving Cheshire Cat grin in the dark, it brings me back to what I heard listening to his newest record, Texas Piano Man a cocksure, genre bending timeless collection of songs that he put out on New West Records, and man, it is unlike anything I've heard in a long time. It puts the piano front and center as a main character, helping him narrate the stories of fading love and confronting mental illness and the high stress of millennial self-awareness, among other twitchy bugaboos, with both pounding ferocity and surprising tenderness and insight. And let me emphasize, it is almost impossible to tell when this record was put out, The 60s, the 70s, yesterday? Are there lush Beatles-inspired harmonies and mirrored melodic guitar lines? Yes. Mid-70s pop hooks that feel like Harry Nielsen and George Harrison would be teaming up? Yes. But there's also one specific record that this really reminds me of. When I was around 16 and the smoke was still swirling over the fallen Twin Towers, Ben Folds released Rockin' in the Suburbs. He played all the music and all the instruments himself. It continues to be a foundational piece of songwriting and dynamic performance for me. There's a seething, restrained rage in the love songs, a nihilistic, grinning defiance in the stories, and whether Robert realizes it or not, I think he's updated that work. There's a sensibility in his music that acknowledges that we're all a persona in the world. We all put on our own white tux and perform for our peers in our everyday lives. And while Robert was a bit toasted after flying into Holland and having two or four substances keeping him going while we talked, I was struck by his bedrock honesty and his infectious sense of humor. And despite his love of putting on a good show, playing live is not Robert's favorite thing. There's too much waiting around to get there, too much temptation to spend all your money and drink and smoke and do your worst every night on these long tours, and he does. And you know what? Robert has admitted to me he doesn't want to be doing this forever. The road has taken a chunk out of his soul and his pride, and the climb to bigger clubs and bigger festivals and bigger notice has been a slow one, but on a rainy day here in Madrid where I record this right now, I'm glad that an artist like Robert Ellis exists right now. And you know what? I urge you to catch him while you can, because he may not be out there forever. Bright young stars cease being young and bright and can't take it anymore sometimes. And while he's still killing it on the circuit, thank God, the thing I'm most looking forward to is what he comes up with next, because it could be anything. So, without further ado, my Dutch dance with the Texas piano man himself, Robert Ellis.
1: Nobody smokes anymore. What do I do, man? I'm trying to find a lighter. Nobody smokes anymore. Everyone else seems to have it all together. They say,
0: Can you state your name and where we are right now (laughs) and what you do? Um, I'm Robert Ellis.
2: We are in Utrecht, uh, Netherlands, and I, I don't
0: know, I guess I party for a living. (laughs) (laughs) You're the Texas piano man, I hear. I think so, yeah. Unfortunately, Um, we couldn't put a grand piano in this little
2: dressing room no um and I can I can't even really in the states I travel with a real grand yeah um, but I'm t- I've got a fucking nord um uh, can I curse please do okay cool <laughs> <laughs> I have a like a nord um that I'm touring with over here and it's just not as fun <laughs> this is
0: the first uh international version of the show on the road like Many American bands. We are crisscrossing the continent right now. And uh, it is amazing. The appetite for like American roots music over here is just fierce. It's cool. It's it's bizarre also. I don't know.
2: I find it... I mean, obviously, it's good for us that we can tour all these places. Um, There are times where with the music that we make, it's a little frustrating
0: that... I mean, okay, let me just... But, they're subdued at, yeah, at times yeah. and you're really rocking out on the yeah. keys and sometimes you can feel that disconnect where you're like are they feeling this or not yeah. and then afterwards they're so they love sweet Yeah. you know what is the disconnect on well, stage like for you
2: it's that it's also like the um, and maybe this is just in my head but I do think that people who are self-proclaimed fans of a genre right. tend to have an idea of what that genre should sound like right. so. Like because we're from Texas, and mm-hmm. and you know it's called the Texas Piano Man. We often will play on these events where we just frankly don't sound like yeah many of the other bands that are playing there, and especially over here, I find sometimes their expectations are not met. Right, you know. So for like for instance, we played in Switzerland last year at this. Uh, the event was called the Country Club, ah. so it's all these Swiss people. In, in Geneva. who Not like, golf-themed. No. that Well, I think it's a play on words, clearly. Yeah. But the whole idea is that they have concerts once a month that are country, where they bring country acts over. Yeah. And these are all, like, hardcore country fans. And we're playing, like... I mean, on that tour, we were playing, like, Django tunes. And, like... Oh, wow. You know, it was not... We did not give them what they wanted. And there was definitely a time, you know, like, everyone was so nice to us and yeah. loved us. And then as soon as we played, it was like... It definitely felt like you guys should get the fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah, well the thing is is that there's so many people right now that are subverting genre and really creating something totally new that hasn't been defined yet, right? Because yeah. you're mixing sort of a almost a jazz sensibility with this sort of Beatles lush pop songwriting Thank And you. you're wearing Yeah you know, a white cowboy hat with a full white suit right now. So it's like, it's hard for people to know what exactly you are. Yeah. And that's okay. But it takes a bit to get that across, you know? Yeah, I think it's better that way,
2: but it also presents its own challenges, you know? It can be frustrating. Um, But yeah, I mean, nothing that any of us are doing is actually new. You know, it's not like, we're reinventing music or, you know, like, doing something really groundbreaking, but these, like, combination of elements, they can be confusing. Um, And I, that was part of the thing with this record, though, is, like, I think Texas is this really big, lush, um, just diverse... um, It's a wide net. Yeah, it's a huge place and a huge idea. Right. And I don't feel like the idea of Texas is often represented. Mm. You know, like, I i don't know, there's a, your listeners and you might not even know about it, but there's this huge, huge genre of music called Texas country mm. that, to me, sounds a lot like Dave Matthews' band. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, it sounds more like Dave Matthews than it does, yeah. um, you know, Bob Wills or something, right, you know? Right. Um, but there's just these strange things where, like, People have their their own idea of what Texas is, and mm. part of this record was like I kind of wanted to say like Oh no, Texas! You actually don't know. It's like mm. it's Donald Judd just mm. as much as it is uh, Larry McMurtry. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's like weirdo minimalist artists and
0: wacko well, like especially Austin. I mean, it's like yeah, you totally. Know, yeah, you you go into Austin. Obviously, you see the signs. Keep Austin weird, and you know. Uh, yeah. I remember watching Slacker in film school yeah. and just being like, "Man, I wish I could like go back in time into that weird world." Yeah, you know, because it's a unique specimen of a city, sort of in an island around a much more conservative oh place. You yeah, know? it's a refuge for
2: anyone in Texas who can't. Yeah. Do the other. I mean, it's the one little blue dot. You know. Um, yeah, we're still living in like a very archaic. Um, <laughs> archaic country in many ways. And
0: you're from uh, southern Texas?
2: I'm from a really small town south of Houston. Mm. Yeah. Um, super rural. Very religious. Um, conservative. You know. What's it called? It's called Clute Lake Jackson area. It's Brazoria County which is actually the biggest county in Texas but the town that I'm from is just one little piece of it. You know it's like it's a shitty little place. How did your, <laughs> how did your folks end up there? Um Well, Dow Chemical Company is how everyone ended up there. Uh, Um, Dow Chemical is like. Company town? Yeah, everyone who lives there works at the plant. And um, my great grandfather, his father moved there for the plant Mm. um, for Dow Chemical Company in the early 20s, maybe. Mm. Um, And my great grandfather's mother and father built a house, and, um, you know, our families just stayed there forever. Um, Were you a rebellious child? Oh, I was horrible. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> God bless my mom. I mean, like I was, I was rough. Um, especially now that I have a child, I'm like, oh fuck! I hope he's
0: nothing like me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at what point yeah, do you see in that little human being like that glint that is from your eye? He's got it. He's definitely he's wild. He's like, yeah. He's only a year and a half. Well, you had to get it from your folks are somewhere down the line, right? Yeah. Are you more like your mom or your dad? Uh, I would much rather be more
2: like my mom, but I th- probably am more like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> my Yeah, my dad has had a pretty um, wild wild ride. You know, a bit of a partier, I think. And What did and, he do? Um, well, he wasn't really around. You know, where I grew up, I grew up with my mom and... I had, you know, my stepfather and stuff. Um, my dad has done all kinds of stuff. Uh, he's a very smart dude in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, very handy. and. But, yeah, I think he uh, he has a little bit of the bug that I have, which is just, like, kind of push it to the limit. <laughs> you know, like... The restless spirit? Yeah, totally, yeah. Just, like, not satisfied and, and um, I don't know, we probably both are a little unstable in some ways and...
0: Um, yeah, and there's, you know, there's a thread through some of your songs of uh, mental illness and sort of facing it head on, yeah. laughing about it almost in a nihilistic way. Yeah. It was like, you know, you open with your, you know, track, I'm fucking crazy. Right? Yeah. And it's not just I'm crazy, I'm fucking crazy, you know. And that's, that's a very kind of concerted choice. To say like, look, I'm owning this But it's also, there's The danger lurking behind the smile
1: I'm fucking crazy You know That it's true You knew it when you met me Don't act like This is new I don't know How to stop myself From acting so insane Screaming Yeah,
2: I mean I've heard for years that you should, everybody in the fucking music business is so out of touch and wrong. And I've heard for years that this idea that you need to put like the easiest songs up front. Uh That's what you lead with. That's what your single should be. Your single should be like... Which maybe for other bands is fine, right. but what happens with us? It's like a bait and switch. If mm. I put our easiest stuff up front, then people are excited and then let down when they hear the other stuff. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, we should lead with the challenging material, and it weeds out people early on. What did, what did the record labels say about that? I mean, they I don't know. They they did you know they asked a couple times. Uh, a few different people were like could you take the word out? Like, what if you just said, <laughs> you I'm, sure? I'm crazy? Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, the same, like, surely you sure that you want that to be the first song? Yeah. And I'm like, look, if you, it's a strong song though. I love, I think it's a beautiful song. And if you're going to curse in the name of love is the most
0: noble of causes. <laughs> you know, like, it reminds me if Queen had covered Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Fuck yeah. But also with Harry Nielsen yeah, sort it's of like sitting Nielsen, in. Yeah, I mean, Nilsson's
2: Fuck You is, you know, another good example of, like, like what is he doing? Psycho
0: person. I also think that it would fit as, like, a credit song for the movie Joker that just came out. I haven't seen it yet. Is it really as violent? Have you seen it? It's not necessarily violent. It's more about sort of mental illness and the sort of falling through the cracks and the system sort of being taken away sort of in the 70s and 80s that would let sort of Really hurt psychopathic people into society to yeah. do their worst. Yeah. Um, I mean, the controversy, I guess, is that it sympathizes with a murderer, sort of in yeah. a way. But um, you know, most people who become murderers, there's a reason why. You know. Yeah. And he was abused and blah blah. blah. I'm not going to spoil it, but no. Um, but there's a certain uh, pleasurable nihilism again I'm coming back to that word about your song that is about sort of enjoying the madness in some way instead of being
2: shamed by it well what else I mean we don't have much time what (laughs) else are we going to do I mean like Yeah, it's this place is just shit wall-to-wall chaos (laughs) and war and fucking sadness And if it's not then you're incredibly lucky. You know what I mean? Like I'm incredibly lucky that we Do we go around and play music all over the world? What kind of fucking job is this? It's insane like most of the world is horrible and just tragic and chaotic and I don't know yeah, I feel like if you
0: If you don't see that then you're naive um, and well, yeah there's a blessing even though the, the long drives and the you know mm-hmm. the sometimes bad audiences the bad sound can get very toxic especially if yeah. a band member that becomes a family and then you're all yeah. sort of breaking down but it's like yeah people are giving you money to go in a beautiful hall like we are here in Utrecht wonderful. play yeah. the songs that you wrote yeah. and then they're gonna pay you to eat and drink all you want yeah. and hang out for the rest of the night it's wonderful so it's hard for me, yeah, to, to really lament our lifestyle. Yeah. But it's exhausting.
1: It is. And tiring. that's the part, you know, yeah.
0: that we don't talk about because you can't post about that on Instagram. like I do. You know? <laughs> 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 I post, I mean, I do it in a subversive
2: sort of funny yeah. way. I posted a picture yesterday that said, hey, we're going to Europe for our annual I Hope We Break Even tour. <laughs> you know, like, which is, yeah. a, it's a joke, but it's actually reality. Yeah. Is like, every time we come over here, yeah. I either lose money or I yeah. break even. And it's just like, I don't know. Um, but all, you know, all that to say, being in a position where things are mostly good, right. you know, in the, in the scheme of things, like, we have it really good. I feel like the bad things, there's no, we have no choice but to laugh at them yeah. and to, like,
0: I don't know, turn them into something positive. And, uh, what um, is the first thing that you pack when you leave for a, a long trip? That's the most important thing.
2: I have a checklist of stuff that I have to have for the show. Yeah. You know, like the, this is all pretty important. Because if I forget anything in the suit, attire thing. Yeah, the gold chain. Yeah. It just wouldn't be, wouldn't be right. It w- and I can't, I'm not going to find other boots. Yeah. Like white cowboy boots yeah. in Denmark right you know what I mean you never know though you never know in Italy yes yeah um I usually um yeah I take like a few hours and I put all my stuff out Mm. and I do sort of a manic
1: pack where Mm. I
2: just throw shit in there and go around the house looking I'm like oh I need my square reader I need my you know I'm I'm going uh I'm in Europe so I need to go I have a stash Mm. of Different currencies, mm-hmm. and every country that I get into, I take it out of my little safe box. Oh, well, I thought
0: when you were saying stash, you were going to say something else. But no,
2: okay. I don't fly with drugs often. <laughs> um, you can actually surprisingly was, easy. I've been
0: surprised at how many people, yeah. even in my own band, are doing that. It's surprisingly
2: easy. They're not looking for drugs; they're looking for bombs. They want yeah
0: yeah.
2: They're they I mean, they're, they're. I think the dogs that are there even are yeah. like bomb dogs. They're yeah. not drug dogs.
0: What's your number one vice? Alcohol.
2: Alcohol for sure. Um... Alcohol, yeah. Uh, tobacco, I guess. Um, also, I pretty consistently have a snooze in. Um,
0: it's very Texas of you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I used to dip, but you can't, you know, spitting is not acceptable in other places. <laughs> you know, like... Does not affect your voice? The snooze? No. Smoking did really yeah. bad. Smoking yeah. was like, would ruin my voice. Yeah. And I had some cigarettes last night, and I woke up this morning like,
0: oh, part of my range is missing. It amazes me when you see all those old pictures. It's like Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald. Everyone's smoking like a chimney, and you're like, how, how did you sound that good, and everyone's chain smoking for forty years?
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, we played with Amy Lou in New York, uh, not that long ago, and uh, we were all backstage, and yeah, she's just fucking housing cigarettes. Lou is yeah, just like with that high yeah, and her voice, she sounds like an angel. She sounded so good that night. Yeah. You know, I have won, and I feel like I've lost most of my. Age,
0: <laughs> you know, is there a really weird venue that you can remember playing that stuck with you? Many, um,
2: weird. I don't know. There's dangerous. The uh, dangerous. Frightening. I mean, I think the most dangerous gig we've ever done is probably the. Um, Banditos International Motorcycle Rally. Okay. So that was maybe the... Um, I w- our shows in Houston, forever, um, we did these weekly gigs in Houston. We played a bunch of country music and um, and a bunch of my friends... At Fitzgeralds? Yeah, Fitzgeralds. Um, and a bunch of my friends were um, in the Banditos. And they would come out to the shows every week and party with us and hang out. and It's a biker gang? It's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you are supposed to call it. an organization. They're a, a biker organization. A fraternity. Yeah, <laughs> some sort. Um, you could do a quick Google search okay. and <laughs> find out more about them. I mean, they are like. I think they're the biggest in the country. You oh know, wow! The Hell's Angels are famous. Yeah. You know, but the Banditos are. Cute. It's a huge organization, um, and they asked us to play their yearly like. Every bandito from across the country comes to this one rally. Hmm. Um, And yeah, that was really interesting. Because my my friends um, who were in the organization, they were like, when you get there, heads up, you're going to park the van and then each of the members of your band are going to have a prospect Mm. who's, like, someone who is, um, you know, going to be in the organization, they're, like, petitioning to be a bandito or whatever, you're each going to have a prospect assigned to you as a security, so my friend was like, whatever you do, if you go to the fucking bathroom, if you go to the car, you go have a cigarette, bring the prospect with you. Why is it so dangerous? I don't know, but it was just, they were adamant about, like, anywhere you go on these grounds, bring the prospect. And he has a, you know, he's, like, got credentials or whatever, right. and he'll vouch for you that you belong here. Right, You know? So, so that was very cool. It was a great gig. And they are wonderful people. They were so nice to There's us. No, like, knifings happened? No. No. Surprisingly tame, you know? But I, I did... I was like, oh, I need security? This is probably...
0: <laughs> yeah. It was like my, my grandfather used to work as a engineer, but as one of the lead civilian people in the government, like in the defense department. Whoa, cool. And, you know, sort of like space stuff. and. Did you live in D.C.? Did you grow up in know I D.C.? didn't, but my, you know, my, my mom did. Yeah. And so he got honored with this thing called the Fubini Award, which was like the highest civilian sort Whoa. of honor. It was like this big like, bust with like a medal and stuff. And we go into the Pentagon for this sort of celebration in like one of the conference rooms. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. And they had, I was like, I'm just going to go to the bathroom And the security guy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I will go to the bathroom with you. Yeah, you're in the pentagon. I was like, (laughs) I was like wandering. I'm like, like, oh, there's Dick Cheney's office, you know? And I like wandered down there and he kind of like watched me take a leak. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, they're like, we're not going to like... He was like trying
0: not to look. He's like,
2: like kind of looking real official We're not going to let you Fox Mulder this situation.
0: You're sending someone with you. You're not going to just go wander around. My grandfather was kind of like, you know, he was like in a wheelchair and kind of getting a little some dementia type things still very sharp he had this sense of humor where he he looked around the room you know and he hadn't worked there since like you know he was there under McNamara like the Johnson administration you know crazy so he goes well uh I'm glad they finally have some women in here Wow. That was the only thing that's he said. awesome. What a fucking They were like guy. waiting for a speech and he kind of like paused and was like, good to see some broads in the, in the that house. That rules. What a cool dude. <laughs> um, he was there in the craziest oh, era. Yeah. Like that was like... No, I wish he was still around because there's like, there's stories that I think he couldn't actually tell. Yeah. That he, I kind of would try to get out of him, you know?
2: There's been some stuff recently about that administration <laughs> that's come out that you're like, Whoa. It kind of makes... I mean, I generally think the uh, conservative conspiracy theory mindset is flawed. Like, Usually the simplest solution is actually the true one. Right. And some of these crazy government conspiracy things, I'm like, no fucking way. You know how complicated that would be? Yeah. You know, but hearing stuff about that era and that administration from people that were involved, you're like wait a minute, this was actually, like, you guys did some fucked up insane shit.
0: The (laughs) only thing he, like, actually told me that really stuck with me was that he said that when he was under McNamara during the Cold War, he was partially in charge of calculating mega-death scenarios. Wow. Of course they have to have contingencies. If the Russians bombed San Francisco, Seattle, L.A., uh, San Diego wow. We would then respond By doing yeah, course, this yeah. And it would kill This many people Yeah And they have a plan For every. They have to It's like that's what you did And So work?
2: crazy What do you think about aliens You think we've found any You think there's aliens Not really Yeah I really want there to be I mean I'm with you I don't think that There are aliens Have visited Us And that we're covering it up Or some shit You know I don't believe The Roswell Area 51 thing Yeah That's too Again It's too complicated It would just be, like, such a massive cover-up. Yeah. But I do think, with how big the universe is, it would be remarkable if there wasn't other life. Oh,
0: statistically, it's impossible that there's not other life. there's gotta be. I think that they're probably either indifferent to us, or they're just, like, they're so far away, they're like, we have no idea if there's anyone out there either. Or we're the most advanced. Even though that's highly unlikely, it's possible that if there is other
2: life, they aren't even, you know, maybe they're equally advanced as us yeah. or not as you know like they just haven't made contact just like we couldn't yeah. we can't go very far at all can't even fucking get to Mars yeah. you know what I mean like
0: <laughs> if you were to be booked for the first festival on Mars yes yes I would you it. know it's a matter of time it's a matter of time <laughs>
2: yes In a heartbeat. live
0: nation live on Mars Heart, yeah yeah totally um, what would the first three songs in your set be um life on Mars <laughs>
2: Okay, <laughs> David Bowie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd have to play my material, right? So, <laughs> ideally, yeah. I don't know. Getting yeah. a piano up there might be hard. That's but... true. Yeah, I don't know if there's a good backline company on Mars. would <laughs> Be um, a good business to get. Yeah, in. that's what we should do. Um, I've often said, and I really do stand by this: if they told me that I could go in a spaceship go out into space, and they said, look, there's a 50% chance, we've calculated the odds, there's a 50% chance you'll die. You'll never come back. Maybe now that I have a kid, it's a little different. For years, I would
0: have said, yes, I'll go, in a heartbeat. Like, the idea... it would be a badass way to die. It would be awesome. Be like, well, you know, he didn't make it back, but he really really went out in a flame of glory. Yeah, seeing the Earth from space just seems... I went to NASA,
2: um, so I have... One of my other suits is like this um, custom-made suit by this guy, Jerry Atwoods, Union Western Company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all NASA-themed. So it has mm-hmm. rockets on it. And um, it has a bunch of... Um, just all NASA. It's like a nudie suit. Yeah. a tribute to NASA. And I've been wearing it for years. And someone at NASA, at some point, reached out to me, got my email and said, Hey, I'm a big fan of your music. Would you like to come do a private tour of NASA? Oh, shit. And so me and my band... All went and took, like, the backstage, Mm. behind-the-scenes crazy tour. What does this button do? Oh, shit. It was the craziest day of my life. When we were at at Mission Control, Mm. and they put my picture up on Mission Control. In Houston? Yeah, when we walked in. Yeah. And it said, like, welcome, Robert Ellis. And we're watching the fucking Japanese astronaut on Mm. the International Space Station in real time. Oh, shit. He can see us. We can see him. Like... The smartest people on the planet are all, you know, like it was a craziest day. And then we went to the neutral buoyancy lab where they train, which is like a 10 football field sized pool where Mm. they have a replica of the space station underwater. Mm. Because they all train anti, the only way to train for anti-gravity is underwater still. Mm. It's the best way to do it. Um, I did just, the whole thing was a crazy day. I met two astronauts who have both been to the space, space station, you know handful of times and uh, I
0: just was like a child. I was so geeked out. You know, like... Who was the last person you met that made you like super starstruck? I
2: mean, I played with Rufus Wainwright a few days ago oh. uh, and that was pretty rough on me.
0: Cigarettes and chocolate <laughs> I
2: love him so much. Like, in that. my... That t- album is just like transcendent. He's in my top five artists of all time. Hmm. Um, and he was absolutely pleasant and wonderful and a nice person and the shows were great. Um, but I was, I was pretty nervous to do the shows. I mean, like I could give a fuck about a lot of the people that I meet Mm -hmm. through this job. It's just not usually the kind of music I listen to. Right. Um, but yeah, somebody like Rufus or one time I was in Belgium and I met Randy Newman. We played the same venue, Mm -hmm. the AB club in Brussels. Do you Mm -hmm. know that place? No. It's a cool little club in Brussels, but there's two rooms, smaller room and a bigger room. They're like bringing in the grand piano in the morning Mm. while we're loading in. I was like, oh, they're tuning this grand piano. I wonder who's playing here. And just happened that Randy Newman's tour, Mm -hmm. I was on tour with Dawes. Mm. And so me and Dawes were in the same building as Randy Newman. Mm. And through like a mutual friend, I sent some emails and I got to go talk to him after the show and meet him backstage. And I was just like just like Mr. Newman I'm a huge fan I just (laughs) couldn't you know
0: I have nothing to say you know I was like why did I want to meet you yeah um, it's funny because I I totally didn't think of how much the parallels are there between you guys you know he's one of my biggest heroes for sure because there's the the sort of humor and the sort of biting commentary that you guys both have Uh, you know going back to that song Nobody Smokes Anymore it's like the sort of satirizing our self-awareness yeah. as a, uh, you know, a millennial culture or whatever, like how everyone is trying to be so sort of healthy and uh, woke. Yeah. But also we're so stressed out and so sort of constantly angry and freaking out that yeah. it's like how much of all this is worth it, you know? Yeah. And, and it made me think of like, you know, we're traveling in Europe right now, the thing I still don't get about Europe because they're so far ahead of us in so many things, but everyone is still smoking.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm like,
0: how did you not get that part of it? Yeah. And also, how is it not affecting their lifespan? Yeah, it but, is. But they're less stressed yeah. out, though. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I
2: mean... You know? But that song also, from like a meta... I don't know, like... Many of those songs are kind of from a character's perspective. Yeah. And I definitely... Yeah. I feel that way. Like I'm like, oh, I have. I like to have a lot of fun, and I don't think you should be stressed. And um, but I also there's stuff in there that is totally not me. Like I don't know. I think there are lines in that song that people could take to mean like this whole PC culture is bogus. Right. You know. Right, right. And there's definitely like when I was writing it, I put stuff in there that. Kind of sounds like that, that, and that's not the way I feel. I actually am, you know, um, pretty... I think that a lot of what's happening right now is really good. Yeah. And I think it's, like, really necessary, and I'm not actually bummed about... I don't know. I just would never want anyone to listen to that song and be like, well, fuck yeah, I agree, um... This tube thing is out of control. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah, I do think some of those lyrics sort of. I've had people come up to me and and tell me like that that's what they took from it, and yeah, I just yeah. that's not how I feel. I'm pretty, um, I guess I'm pretty normal, liberal, uh, <laughs> progressive dude in a lot of ways. I don't know. I feel like good art is not oh. about giving somebody answers. It's about giving people more questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole fucking point. So yeah, that sort of stuff where like. Just because things are, um, I don't know, I hear a lot of stuff on the radio that, like, the song is called, like, I'm leaving. Yeah. Things are bad, I'm leaving. Mm. What is the fucking story? (laughs) Like, what is that story? That's not a story. Like, if this was a
0: movie, I wouldn't go see it. Yeah,
2: no, it'd be over. It'd be instantly over. Yeah, there's, like, nothing about it
0: that's, like, interesting. It's not great. Well, I think that people don't maybe view music or songwriting in the same way as fiction and, and narrative writing in the way that... Like, well, I don't have to have a, a punchline or a twist ending or blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but the best songs often yeah. have that full arc, like it's a play or a movie. It's you know? three minutes. Like, I'm bored after
2: 30 seconds. You know, like, you really gotta... I don't know. It's Songwriting is complicated. That's a big reason... I mean, if you want to cite really simple big hits as an example Um, you know great songs like Willie Nelson's songs there are some really beautiful songs that he wrote that are just pure love songs Mm -hmm. if you go back and look at how long they are often they're like a minute and 30 seconds because you did it he did the verse he did the chorus he did the chorus again song's over because what I mean what are you going to say with the second verse what new light are you going to cast on um, you know like (laughs) it's like I don't know
0: Tell me about the song "Passive Aggressive." Yeah, which that's... I which I watched tonight in in this venue in Utrecht, and there's these sort of jumps in and out of time. Yeah, sort of almost like a jazz trio, like
1: it's... testing
0: the limits of time. And I fucking loved it. Thank and you. I could see the audience sort of being like, "What? Yeah. What the fuck is happening here?" It's
2: rhythmically yeah. passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point of the arrangement was like to try and make the song sound passive aggressive. Yeah. So like there's a lot of times, especially live, where we've been playing the same melody over and over yeah. and then when you really expect it to happen again, we don't play it. Yeah. Or you know yeah. what I mean? It's just that we stop like yeah. <gasps> on the breath or whatever and yeah, things to there's a couple jumped bars and like I mean most of the words of the song are just
1: There's only yes, there's right? like
2: ten words to the whole song. That's kinda of what you, I'm can saying. Can you slam Poetry style it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, The words of this song are really simple. It just goes, Tell me what you're mad about. Go ahead, let it all out. Go on ahead and say something you cannot take back. Or bottle it all up inside. Uh, Out in the open is no place to hide. Please just pull over and let me get out of the car. And then I ask you what's wrong. You say nothing. But you look like you're about to explode. Passive Passive aggressive. aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Passive aggressive. Passive aggressive, passive aggressive, passive, over and over. Like it just never stops. Yeah.
0: I think like that is one of those things where we actually like, all right, we get to the point, yeah, and then the point is
2: made, yeah. You know? I get bored by the end of that song because I'm like, I just said the same words fucking over and
0: over for a minute and a half, <laughs> you know. But that's the, it. Was always funny when you listen to like hits that you've heard your whole life, like Benny and the Jets. Yeah, three quarters of that song is just just ben. Benny,
1: Benny, Benny, Benny,
0: yeah, Benny, and it's this hypnotic sort of like. And I don't even like that song and I can't ever get that song out of my head sometimes. You know? I had a band with my uh, good
2: friend James Love, a Houston guy. Yeah. Um, he played guitar in that band Dillinger Escape Plan mm-hmm. and he had a really amazing uh, band called Golden Axe. He's just one of the fucking best musicians on the planet. But we had a stupid band We had one practice. Uh We had a show booked, but we couldn't get through the practice because it was too funny. The band was called Broken Record, Uh and we played um, Benny and the Jets, Mm -hmm. but we just did
1: Benny, Benny. Benny, Benny, He never
2: got to the gym. Benny, song. we did it for three and a half minutes. Benny. Oh my God. And then we did
1: the Ace of Spades, the Ace of Spades, the Ace of Spades. The Broken
2: record is the name of the band. And then we did a born in the USA. I
1: was born in the USA. <laughs> oh Are there recordings of this? Born...
2: Yeah, we made some demos. Of the... It was so funny we were on the floor because after you do born in the usa for two and a half minutes your brain feels like it's gonna explode
0: like that reminds me of that what was that story of of the guy who went into the uh, diner somewhere and just played what's new pussycat 120 (laughs) times in a row in the jukebox just to see if anyone would like and like the first 12 times no one even noticed they're just eating their sandwiches and then like 13 or 14 what's times in a row people started getting like confused and angry Yeah, yeah. and then they were like literally trying to tear the, the jukebox out of the wall
2: <laughs> it doesn't work like that anymore yeah not with touch tunes no nope. somebody will jump you and sometimes the jukebox will do unpredictable things and just play random songs I'll load shit into that touch tunes thing all the time if you could write the score <laughs> If my question: <laughs> How's this thing? going? Is the interview going well? <laughs> I'm loving every minute. Of it.
0: What do you wish you could tell yourself as a young man? Um, you now, as a wise white suit wearing sage.
2: If, in all actuality, um, I wish I could tell myself to. Do all of the things that you have a feeling about doing, like calling your mom Mm. or fucking, you know, like going to see your grandmother or Mm. like those things when you're on the road as a young man, I feel like you have these feelings often. You're like, you know what? I should write a postcard. I should, Mm -hmm. I should, um, but I think that, I don't know, when you're young, you feel like you have a lot of time Mm -hmm. and you feel like these tours are going to be over. I'll go visit. Some, you know what I mean? like.
0: You lost uh, your mom pretty young.
2: Yeah, I lost her last year. Um, she was like 52 mm. or maybe a little older. Um, but very young. And it's like, yeah, this touring lifestyle is like, you have to compartmentalize your life so hard. Yeah. Um, and now I'm dealing with it with the kid. And I feel like I'm. I'm being better about it. But when you're on the road, you're just like, oh, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this. And everything else will just be on pause and everyone will understand. Yeah. But I'm just realizing more and more like you there's only so much that your friends will allow you to be absent. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's only so much that you can just be like the fun guy that's always gone. Right. You still have to call people. Mm. You have to check in. You know what I mean? You have to be a part of their life. Mm. Um I don't know. I think that that's my biggest regret over this whole thing is just like I feel like 10 years went by where I was just gone, Mm. you know, and so much happened.
0: Yeah, and you, you know, you lose certain friendships and, and you went through a divorce, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
2: was definitely, I mean, we weren't meant to be together, um, but it was also a product of all the touring and, you know, distance, um and there are different types of distance. It's not just like being away from somebody necessarily means that you right. grow apart. I think that also you make choices like I don't know, we do with my my partner now, we like we email each other every day, mm-hmm. like a real effort to mm-hmm. communicate, you know? And then we also keep um we each keep a journal mm. when we're apart from each other where we each write in the journal to each other. And then when we get wow. together, we trade journals and we read all the notes. So like, mm. even though we can't talk every day because this is insane mm. and like we're in a fucking basement right now. I haven't had service all day. Yeah. You know, we don't really text. Mm. We don't really talk on the phone. Mm. We do emails and we do the journal. And because of that, I think we stay connected. Mm.
1: I don't know. That's a good. Uh, that's
0: a good idea.
2: My therapist thought it was a really great idea. She <laughs> yeah. couldn't believe it when yeah. I told her that we've been doing that our whole relationship. She's like, "I'm going to suggest this to be." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's like, "This is such a good thing that," but like it started. I was in Amsterdam actually, mm. and I picked up this really cool little paper journal, yeah. and I brought it home as a gift to Erica. Mm. Um, and then I think she was like, "We should write in this to each other," mm. you know. And then like while we're gone, we have this thing to read where every day we were thinking, you know, all of it is just to let someone know that you're there. You're not... You know, you're thinking about them. Mm -hmm. If you get home from a tour and it's like, oh, for at least half an hour a day, Mm -hmm. you thought about me? You fucking wrote to me? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It kind of means a lot. You weren't just out
0: getting wasted and Mm -hmm. doing God knows what, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's a persona that you put on, obviously, you you know, in your your hat (laughs) and your glitter? That's a funny question. But, like, do you have to, like, literally... Get that skin on right as you walk on stage, or is it is like a, is it like a method acting thing?
2: Um, I mean, it's a part of me for sure. Like, I mean, like the character of the Texas Piano Man is just kind of a wild, um, fun entertainer, mm-hmm. and it's definitely me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like it's it's based on aspects of my personality, but putting on the suit. And putting on the the whole thing and like um, mm-hmm. it definitely gets me into the mindset of okay now I'm going on stage mm. I need to perform it's kind of what you were talking about yeah. earlier is like for me it's a little less about how I look you know even though it does look fucking cool it's yeah. it's more about like if I want to do this job and really entertain people and be a good performer right it just gets me into the mindset yeah you know I put on the outfit and. And then I'm like, okay, I've got, like, I look in the mirror and I've got glitter and the tuxedo on. And even if I feel horrible, Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's go time. I need Mm
1: to,
2: I'm this now. I'm Mm -hmm. this guy. And he's actually not hungover. He's not jaded. Mm -hmm. He's not bummed about touring. He's just psyched to perform. You know, like, that's, it's like all of the best aspects of my personality. Mm -hmm. I wanted to create a character that just embodied that. And,
0: well, I think we forget that, like, the theatricalness of performing is not limited to just being in a Shakespeare show yeah. or a Broadway musical. It's like we are doing a little bit of everything yeah. as you know musical performers where we have to tell these dense lyrical stories. Yeah, We have this music that's lifting it up, but also we're inhabiting those stories in front of this audience, yeah. and they can tell if you're bullshitting. Totally. You know? And regardless
2: of what anyone thinks they're doing up there, if you have jeans and a t-shirt on, you're still playing a character. Yeah. No matter what. Like, when people, this idea that, like, you're just going up there as you in Mm -hmm. quotations, there's no such thing. Mm -hmm. You have 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour and a half on stage. You have a short amount of time. Humans are very complex, complicated Mm -hmm. people. And in an hour and a half, there's no way you can be your whole self. Mm-hmm. You have to choose which aspects of yourself you're going to share. So this idea of authenticity, like mm-hmm. I'm going to get up there and just be myself, no one is that. If you were yourself, you would be some shows horrible mm-hmm. and some shows really grumpy. Some shows you would cry mm-hmm. and you'd be really sad for no reason. You know what I mean? Like yeah. You choose when you get up there. You're like, I'm going to be myself, but I'm going to be aspects of myself that I want to share in an hour and a half. As much as I can, and I think that, you know, there's an aversion to like performance, and I I feel like often people are like, oh, cool, it's cool that you're doing this white tuxedo thing. We just we just go up in our regular clothes. And we're just ourselves. I'm like that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. No one is, that's, yeah. you know, like you're you're playing the casual character. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that's all it is. It's like we're all making a choice. I just happen to have chosen a white
0: tuxedo. <laughs> Whatever gets you in the game. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah. It gets me excited. Yeah.
0: All right. Since you had uh, your first night on this European tour in Amsterdam that went late and got crazy, perhaps. I party a I lot. I think last night. the fitting thing is to do a reading at random from the book I found on this tour, A Short History of Drunkenness Whoa. by Mark Forsyth.
2: This seems like a. Who wanted prohibition? <laughs> that to me, that's all I should read, actually. Who wanted prohibition? <laughs> that's the name of the chapter. Who wanted prohibition? The prohibition movement wasn't conservative. It was feminist. It was also progressive. In something like the proper sense of the word, it was meant to help a nation reform and progress to a new and previously unheard of state of sobriety. It was also Midwestern. All oh, surprising. Uh, finally, the prohibition movement was also, this one is the most surprising, not against alcohol. It was against the saloon. Mm. There was a popular perception throughout the West that husbands would get paid, go to the saloon, spend it all, and return home penniless and angry. Sounds right, actually. <laughs> Where they would beat their wives. Probably also right. Uh, the wives lived in bruised poverty because the saloons took all the money. Nobody knows to what extent this is true. Domestic violence this is a notoriously difficult crime to get figures on while it's happening. Blah, 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 blah. What's important for our purposes is that people believed that this is what was happening. People wrote plays and novels about it, Ten Nights in a Bar Room. What I saw there was the second best-selling American novel after Uncle Tom's Cabinet. Both indirectly brought about amendments to the Constitution. Wow. This is very interesting. I like this book. It is a good book. Yeah.
0: Um, My my question from this would be, do you think that you are a person that responds to... um, hard rules like do you think you could not drink for a month I do to that. better your mental health I do health? often yeah I mean like I'm a man of extremes so I either it's hard for me to, to, to do anything that's like uh, all or nothing it like freak, freaks me out for some reason wow I'm the opposite I only do all or nothing I, I that do... seems to be the way it is it's like there's oh, yeah. like a personality distinction between people who can like go all out they drink till four in the morning, or they just don't drink for two months. That's what I do.
2: That's exactly what I do. Every year I take a certain amount of time off. Yeah. I just took a month off, like two months ago, I think. Uh, I I might have made it three weeks, I don't know. Maybe I didn't do a full month, but I I can't, I just can't drink casually. I can't do drugs casually. I can't, you know what I mean? Like I just fucking go full force. Yeah. I try and push it to the actual limit, <laughs> uh, or I don't do it at all. And sobriety becomes a thing that I'm like competitive about. Where I'm like, you know, I've been it's been fucking twenty eight days.
0: You know, like yeah. in my head, I'm like. But is there a point where you've gone too far and, and and you've had to sort of reckon with yourself? Oh, definitely. I was sober for nine months one time. It was yeah. horrible. Oh, you and meant well, the other. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what brought that on? That what something brought that on? <laughs> well, I know. I just I got in a weird. I was like, oh, I should be sober for a while. I got a divorce, yeah. and I was like, yeah. I want to clear my head and see what it's like. And I made it nine months, and I'm sure my body thanked me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was just like slipping into an old, familiar jacket. Yeah. You know, like I was on this fucking cruise, and one night I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to have a glass of wine. I had a glass of wine, boom, I had a bottle of wine. I was in the casino gambling, stayed up all night. You know, I just went nuts. And then since
0: then, it's just like, I'm, I'm in. You know? Do songs pour out of you in spurts like that? Mm-hmm. And then there, is there a drought?
2: Yeah, but it's not for any reason. I wouldn't ever say, you know, if you have time and you're a serious songwriter, you can always write songs. Mm-hmm. But I don't have time. I'm like touring and I'm fucking raising a kid and it's just like, and I'm okay with that. I just I compartmentalize songwriting in this way where I'm like I don't write when I'm not writing, mm. you know. I'm so not- you actually
0: sit down and be like, I'm gonna write a song today. Yeah,
2: I show up at the office hmm. like I when I want to write.
0: Do you have an office that you do it in?
2: Yeah, I have a piano. I have a piano in every room at the house. I'm like, do you? yeah, it's like a real problem actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I like have a bunch of spaces, um, and I just have to be really selective. Like even with writing, I love writing music. But there are goals that I want to achieve that are not... Mm. Like, I, I want to be a better piano player. Mm. So when I'm home, I was home for two days, mm-hmm. I practice for a couple hours a day doing, like, piano stuff. Mm. I'm sure that's time I could have spent writing, but I prioritize. And when that's I'm on smart. the road, you know, I can't can't really are practice. Are you self-taught? Uh, my mother was a piano teacher.
0: Oh.
2: Yeah, so I grew up playing... Um, yeah, I mean, in a, sh- in a short time when all of this touring is over and things are slowing down a little bit, I'll take two months and I'll just write every day, mm. you know? And then at the end of it, maybe I'll have 30 songs or something and I'll start narrowing down what I want to put on an album or I'll keep writing. Who knows? But like, I go in spurts. Yeah.
0: Have you written a song for your
2: son? Not yet. No. I haven't written a song since mm. my son was, you know, I haven't mm-hmm. written, I really haven't written one song in fucking a year. Mm. Um, I mean I have for like other people will come and write with me and I'll you know like co-write and stuff like that but like real writing Mm -hmm. you know the stuff that I want to put on a record I haven't written one song if you could co-write with anyone in the world right now who would it be? that's a hard one because co-writing is so tough like I kind of hate it most of the time Yeah. (laughs) even people I really like Yeah. you know like fucking kind of sucks sometimes Um, I would love to write with Randy Newman hmm I'd love to write with Rufus. I think it'd be really cool to write with an author I really liked, you know? Hmm. Like, um, George Saunders. Hmm. Saunders or Murakami. Mm. That would be fucking cool hang, to write with Murakami Mm. and be like, what do you think a song should be about? Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) he'd probably have a really cool idea.
0: That would be You know what, I, I wish that would still happen, is like, back in like the 60s you would see those lineups like at the Fillmore where it would be like Lenny Bruce yeah. and Jefferson Airplane. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like these completely different art forms that were sort of intertwined in a natural way. Yeah. You know, like why don't we have like poets and yeah. like dancers and uh, acrobats and then also Robert Ellis. Because we can barely do music. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Because they only have $500. <laughs> yeah, there's only $500 to go around. Break-even tour yeah. 2019. We're barely making music happen. So. <laughs> do you think your son is aware of what you do? He loves music. Yeah. 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 He's got a cool life. I'm like... Um, I think a lot of people have kids and they insulate themselves. Hmm. You know? You go, oh, I have a kid now... My life is different. Mm -hmm. We've done the opposite. My wife's a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. She's an artist and a writer. And um, I don't know. I just had this feeling when she got pregnant of like, this is the life I've been working so hard to create this life. Yeah. To have artistic friends and all these people around and like this life of art and music
1: Mm
2: -hmm. now is when it is actually meaningful. Now Mm -hmm. I can share it with someone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like... Why would I fucking shut myself up in my house Mm. and stop going out to concerts and art shows and, Mm. you know, hanging with interesting people and having interesting conversation? Like, he's actually the reason that I did all this. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's amazing. Yeah.
0: What is the goal? What is like the dream goal? I mean,
2: my goal is to stop. (laughs) (laughs) If I could get to a place where I was successful enough to stop, that would be
0: the goal. Stop like where you can just like make a record and yeah and, and, yeah, hang and stop out. touring stop touring like, and I just, would, yeah and just play out every now and again. Yeah, I don't like this shit honestly. do you not do you not feel like you're more of a introvert than an extrovert? I like writing. you're like an writing. entertainer though. Yeah I mean I like playing too. I just
2: don't like um, it's just a time suck. It's just yeah. what we're talking about like I want to be writing music. I yeah. want to be at home working. You know what I mean? I just have no fucking time.
0: That it's is like, that is interesting, yeah. It was like being on the road does sort of slash the creativity. There is yeah. ways to stay creative out here, but you do sort of like forget that you can still be creative sometimes because yeah. you're like, you're going to like the factory. Yeah. Like you're checking in, you're going to check, you're going to back to the hotel, having dinner, start again and again and again, the same thing every day. It's kind of lost
2: time, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I, like, I do like performing, but that's only 45 minutes out of the day. I mean, that's like, the ratio is right. unbelievable.
0: What keeps the joy?
2: The per- yeah, 45 minutes. I yeah. mean, that's the only reason you do any of it. Yeah. But it is like, a, you know, the traveling aspect of it. It's like, it's a lot of work for very little money. Um, but it's the money that you need to support your family. Like you yeah. have to. It's the only source of revenue, so you yeah. have to tour. Um, but yeah, I could imagine a future where I'm in a studio working every day writing mm-hmm. you know like that sounds really nice mm-hmm. um or like what Rufus does now where he's like took the whole summer off in Montauk and practiced his piano mm-hmm. and just like hangs out with his kid you know like yeah. that sounds fucking awesome and maybe I haven't earned it yet <laughs> you yeah. know like but it sounds
0: pretty dreamy yeah it sounds really nice <laughs> alright so we're gonna take us out uh with a song that you would like to introduce of yours oh sure um what should we? Which song would you like to introduce people mm. to?
2: You, I don't know. You should pick one. I don't care. Pick a song. Just pick a song and play it. Mm. Any of the songs are good.
0: <laughs> I mean, Topo Chico and Lime puts a smile on my face. I love that song. But I kind of want the "Aren't We Supposed to Be yeah, in Love?" Yeah, play that one. Yeah. Because I think it it really cuts to the heart of. Awesome. The. The point in every love affair that no one talks about. Cool. I love it. I love that song. Hi right, man. Thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't haven't done it in a while. I don't know why are we supposed to be in love. Tell me why you get so angry over the littlest things. Tell me why it's hard to look you in the eye. Tell me what has happened to the Stand this tell me why aren't we, to be? How aren't we supposed to be? Aren't we supposed to be? Aren't we supposed to be alive? Well it makes me so afraid how you can feel this far away. No reason why when we're supposed to supposed to be in love, tell me I'm not gonna lose you, seems like a matter of time, and tell me what has happened to the kindness, you don't treat me like a lover or a friend. help me, I just don't understand this. kindness. You don't treat me
0: Big thanks to Robert Ellis and his team for setting up the talk we had in Utrecht, Netherlands. Uh, you can go to TexasPianoman.com or RobertEllisMusic.com for his tour dates and his new record. And to support that lovely record, he will be crisscrossing throughout Europe all this month, and then returning home to Texas, playing at Stubbs Barbecue November 16th, playing a Christmas show in Houston on December 8th, and on and on. Please check him out. He is wonderful live. And if you go to thebluegrasssituation.com, there's a wonderful article called Harmonic Convergence, talking to Robert Ellis and Courtney Harmon, the amazing guitar player-singer who used to be in Delamay. And you know what? I'm going to put this out into the universe. I think Dust Bowl Revival and Robert Ellis should tour together in 2020. I think it would be pretty dreamy. And you know what is also coming in 2020? Dust Bowl Revival's new album will be coming out. Huge announcement in a few days. If you are on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, look out for the first single of the new album. It's going to be really exciting. And uh, you know what? If you go on our Instagram, Dust Bowl Revival, there's a semi-naked shower scene revealing some new surprises. You should go check it out. I record this right now from a tiny hotel room in Madrid, Spain. We are starting our very first run here and going all the way up from Madrid to Asturias and to Galicia and then heading over to the United Kingdom to finish out our run. I've been gone from home so long, I hope my wife is still there when I get home. <laughs> you can go to DustbowlRevival.com for the music and tour dates that we have coming up. And uh, we'll be coming to Cincinnati and uh, throughout Ohio and Rochester, New York and Woodstock, New York in mid-November. So look out for that too. The Show on the Road is hosted by me, Zach Lupitan, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs, with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love The Show on the Road, please leave us a review or rating over at iTunes.com slash road. Tell your friends, and also be sure to check out BGS's ever-growing collection of podcasts up right now on thebluegrasssituation.com. The Show on the Road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lupitan. See you on the trail.